0: Pursuant to the governor's executive order, a mayoral emergency proclamation suspending and modifying requirements for in-person meeting. During the coronavirus disease emergency, this committee will convene remotely until the committee is legally authorized to meet in per- person. Public comments will be available on each agenda item. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. Comments or opportunity to speak there during the public comment period are available by calling 415-655-0001 access code two four nine six nine nine zero two six seven three. the password is 1234 and then pound when connected you will hear the meeting discussion but you will be muted and in listening mode only when your items of interest comes up dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line best practices are to call from a quiet location and speak clearly and slowly and turn down your television or radio alternatively you may submit your public comment via email to ocoh.con.org at sfgov.org and it will be forwarded to the committee and will be included as part of the official files please note that this meeting is being recorded and will be available at
1: sfgovtv.org thank you so much secretary Hom so we are going to call this meeting to order it is the RCD, Our home oversight committee it is thursday january 26 at 9 38 a.m uh, we'll start with world call
0: member catalano absent member cunningham denning Absent, Vice Chair D'Antonio? Here. Member Friedenbach? Here. Officer Ledbetter? Here.
1: Member Reggio? Here. Chair Williams? Here. All right, so we do have quorum and I believe we also need to do the vote to excuse absences. Is that happening next? Um, So Jesse, I'm not clear on um, the process for this. So how do we
2: proceed? Yeah, so one of the requirements in the bylaws Is that that um, we uh, have to vote to excuse absences, and if uh, there are three unexcused absences, that that can result in a member uh, having resigned from the committee. Um, And so I think the the vote today is. Sorry, I'm also texting uh, member Cunningham-Denning with password information. Uh, The vote today is uh, to excuse member Catalano's absence from today's meeting and also to give people an opportunity to say, you know, if you
1: know that you're going to miss a future meeting, to bring that up now. Okay, so do we need a motion to proceed and do we go by each member or is there... Anyone that we need to do this for? Member Catalano is absent today. Okay, so we need to have a motion to excuse Member Catalano um, for today's meeting. So moved. All right, moved by Member Reggio. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Member Freedombach. And then Secretary Hama, if we can go to roll call. All right,
0: Member Catalano. Absent Member Cunningham-Denning. Absent. Vice Chair DeAntonio. Yeah. Member Freedombach. Present. R.B. Yes. Yes. Officer Ledbetter?
1: Yes. Member Reggio? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. So the motion passes. Uh, Member Catalano is excused. So we'll move to our next item.
0: Great. (laughs) I want to bring to your attention that um, Member
1: Cunningham-Denning has joined as well. All right. Welcome Member Cunningham-Denning and Happy New Year. First, Happy New Year to everyone. We didn't get to say that. Um, We are in a new year and this is our first regular meeting of the year. So I hope everyone had a really great holiday break and got to rest up for the year ahead. So we'll now go to our next item, which is our land acknowledgement. So we acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushalone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatushalone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. So thank you. So we'll now take public comment on items um, that are not on the agenda. Um, And is there any public comment?
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2496-990-2673, password 1234, and then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you have two minutes. I'm checking the attendee list now for any hand raised, and I do see a caller.
3: The Everyone, my name is my. Hi, my name is Gay Grunfeld. Um, I am a resident of San Francisco, and I had two questions. First, I was unable to act.
1: Did we lose the caller, Secretary Helm?
0: We did not lose the caller, but let me. Um, something happened. Let me try to unmute again
3: I think I'm unmuted
0: now. oh there you go okay sorry about that go ahead
3: no problem hi good morning everyone my name is gay Grunfeld I'm a resident of San Francisco and I had two quick questions for you first um, I was unable to access the WebEx so just FYI um, so I had to call in I don't know if that's only for you all the WebEx but I couldn't get on I tried several times And secondly, I wondered what the relationship was between your committee, which is called an oversight committee and the uh, oversight entity that was established by the November, 2022 election. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much to the caller, Secretary Hom. Do we have any additional?
0: We, We do. Let me take the
1: next caller. And also, um, Jesse, if we could message that caller, just some of that information about the role of our body. I don't know if there's a way to do that, to direct folks either to the website or where could we verify that for the last caller?
2: Um, sure, I mean, our website is sfgov.gov uh, slash OCOH. Um, One thing that has changed in the way that we're uh, broadcasting the meeting, uh, people can uh, watch, um, is the requirement for a meeting password. So in the past, you've had um, the sort of the link and it had the access code embedded in it. Now you need a meeting password as well. uh, And the meeting password is 1234.
1: Thank you so much, Jesse. And then to the other point in terms of our relationship with the, the newly formed committee, maybe we can update our website um, with some language around that issue. I don't know if that's um, possible, but I would just like to answer folks' questions. So thank you so much. So I guess we'll go to the next public comment. Yes.
0: Um, Jesse, can you see if you can unmute? For some reason, I'm not giving, I don't know if, because you have host rights, I'm unable to unmute
4: the caller and the attendee list. Chair Williams do you want me to quickly answer the commission question while we're doing this or.
1: Yeah, I think that's fine. I know we respond to public comment, but I think yeah, that'd be great. Yeah,
4: I just think there's a lot of confusion out there, so it might be helpful, but um, basically what will happen is this oversight committee is overseeing the Prop C funds specifically. And we'll be making recommendations Uh, before we made recommendations to the mayor and the board of supervisors and now we'll be making recommendations on our investment plan to the commission which then uh, makes recommendations to the mayor and then it goes to the board of supervisors from there so there's another layer of um, government that will be looking at the um, recommendations we're not a chartered authority um, and so we are we are, uh, we do a lot of work to develop the investment plan and then and then it goes through the regular budget process.
1: Thank you so much, Member Friedenbach. Do we have our public commenter?
5: I have, um, Chanel, can you hear me? This is Alejandra. <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Hi, Ali. You are my sister forever, girl. Yay. How are you? <laughs> Yay. All I right. I am so happy to, to be connected with this wonderful group. This is my first time today, but i was reading about it so i want just uh, to come by because i think uh, i want to share my my feeling about uh, what is happening right now in san francisco for uh, i worked with chanel for over two years with a group of innovators for change all the maternity rights in the city of auckland and i am an activist here in, i live here in san francisco and I will love to uh, be part of the public in the speak for the homeless. And I just want to see what is the chance that we can uh, propose to the mayor if we can give uh, a little bit of dignity or have a little consideration and kindness of these people and instead of force them to be treated because they don't want to receive mental health in every single of these people are uh, trauma that never get healed, and uh, just housing, uh, mental health, and it's like how you have a mold in your house and you just painting over and try to patch it. And uh, instead of let them die in the street, they should the places that they are open for for do that. They should. It's not a difference between a person uh, dying in the street for overdose and a patient with a terminal disease in in um, in a hospital. So my purpose is hire more medical doctors and nurses to guide that person in that process because they are in a suicidal mode, at least dying without no Pain and no suffering in the street, um, because mental professionals are very important. But have nurses and medical professionals in those in those locations that they want to open is indispensable. Not for stop the homeless to die, but at least for them to guide them in the process that if that amount of drug that they use and they will end up dying so we can stop the overdose if we have professional in those locations thank you so much thank you so much
0: i'll take the next caller so it does require a a few seconds for the next caller to um, be taken so to be unmuted
1: I'll just quickly say Alejandra is an amazing organizer that I have the pleasure of working with at UCSF, and I'm just glad that you joined us today. So thank you, Ali, for your testimony.
0: Hello, caller. You have two minutes.
1: I've already spoken. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. Are there any additional public comments? Please press star three. I do not see any additional callers.
1: Thank you so much to our public commenters and thank you, Secretary Holm. We will now proceed to our next item, which I believe is the approval of teleconference meetings. Is that correct? I think it's the minutes. minutes. Oh, the minutes are first. All right. Yeah. Is there a motion to approve the minutes from our last meeting? Is there anyone who wants to move? Oh, Ken, you're on mute. Member Reggio.
6: Sorry, I, I thought we had four sets of uh, minutes. Do all of those need approval at this point?
1: Yes, they and do. So the and if is, we
6: can, can, can we move all at the same time, or do we need individual votes?
1: We we can move them in t- the entire package, or but you know, in any way that the committee desires to do so. So, if there's a motion,
6: so I, I would so move uh, passage of all four sets of minutes as uh, presented.
1: Thank you, Member Reggio. Is there a second? I I second. Think. I believe that was off, uh, Data Officer Ledbetter. Am I
7: correct?
1: Or was that Member Cunningham? I think either
7: one. Yes. Many, so,
1: uh, it was... Member, Member Cunningham <laughs> Denning, uh, seconded, um, and we'll now go to roll call vote.
0: Member Catalano absent. Member Cunningham Denning
8: here. Yes. Continue.
0: Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, Vice Chair D'Antonio. Yes.
9: Yeah.
0: Member Friedenbach. Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Yes. Member Reggio?
6: Yes.
1: And Chair Williams? Yes. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll now, um, if we can go to our next item, please. We do need to do public comment on the minutes. On the minutes. Oh, thank you. Is there any public comment, Secretary Hum?
0: Yes. Members of the public who wish to buy public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2496 nine nine zero two six seven three then pound if you haven't inter- sorry and the password is one two three if you haven't already done so please dial star three to line up to speak a system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments please note that you have two minutes i'm checking the attendee list now for any hand
1: raised for public comments and i do not see any so there are no public comment on this agenda item Thank you so much, Secretary Hamm. and typically we would like to take public comment before the vote, so apologies for that. So we'll go to item four, um, which is our resolution to allow teleconference meetings. Um, this resolution has been provided to and reviewed by members in preparation for this meeting. Um, you can find the full text um, at the link uh, displayed here, and given the continued state of the emergency due to COVID-19, uh, the benefits of physical distancing to control spread and the opportunity for the public to provide comment in this virtual setting. The committee resolves to meet exclusively by teleconferencing technology for at least the next 30 days and to revisit this topic at the committee's next regular meeting. Um, as I do always do, I like to check in and see where we are with coming back to in person. So um, Jesse, if you could provide us any any updates.
2: Yes. Um... This is the last time the committee will have to vote to make this resolution. So beginning in March, all boards and commissions will use public meeting rules that were in place before the pandemic. Uh, For many boards and commissions, that's a return to those rules. For this committee, it will be the first time uh, that that you are meeting in public. Um, With limited exceptions, members will need to appear in person and be physically present at the meeting. Uh, so it's sort of a, yes, really uh, leaning in to that physical presence,
1: which I know the committee has been uh, eager to uh, return to that. Wonderful. That's a big update um, for all of us. I know none of us have met together in person as a full body. So that is very exciting for March. So thank you so much for that update. And at this time, I'll take a motion to um, for this resolution.
4: Um, uh. Chair Williams I just have a question before yeah um, are we going to still allow I mean from a disability access etc in terms of public comment are we going to continue to allow people to call in to comment Um, and wondering if and then if you could just explain what the limited exceptions are for let's say we have a a member who's out of town or something like that and still wants to participate. Um, What's the uh, uh, the board of supervisors uh, and the police commission and several other bodies I've noticed allow for remote participation at the, um, at the meetings in, um, you know, if somebody's got a broken leg and is participating from bed or something. Yeah. Thank you, member Friedenbach. Right. So Um, We can absolutely explore
2: uh, including public comment by telephone. My understanding from the memo received from the uh, city attorney's office is that all commissions will be moving to physical presence. So I realized I sort of was late uh, to realizing that some of the commissions were meeting in hybrid fashion. It's my understanding that that will not be allowed, and that um, unless um, there is, unless there is a need for a reasonable accommodation, and so that would be, I think there are some, um, there is, you know, an opportunity. For example, if, if for a newborn child or an adoption, for people, for members who might be on parental leave, uh, to be able to meet, uh, attend the meeting uh, virtually. Um, and in cases of disability, uh, things like that.
4: Okay. Um,
2: So I'm happy to send that memo out again and to link it on the website.
4: What Uh, about illness? I'm just thinking like, let's say someone tests positive for COVID and they want to participate. I've seen that on the Board of Supervisors where the member tested positive and didn't want to expose the other people and wanted to participate. or- I can
2: look. I can look into that uh, as an example. I mean, obviously, as well, that would be a, a, an excused absence <laughs> from this meeting. I have no doubt that the committee would vote to excuse that as an absence. Um, but I can I can look into specifics around um, around sickness. Um,
4: yeah, it's more that you're not you can participate, you just can't like physically be near somebody. So it yeah, the excused absence obviously if someone's sick or whatever, but yeah, just thinking in these situations where um people really want to participate, but there's something that's preventing them from coming in person. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Member Friedenbach. So I'm gonna work with Jesse to get a memo out to the board on this transition I know that that we're all excited to come back in person but there's also some some other things that we need to consider um for the body with this um this new cha- this new change um for us being able to come in person um, so we'll now go to public comment on item four is there any public comment
0: members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415 655 access code two four nine six nine nine zero two six seven three. Password is 1234, then press pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you have two minutes. I'm checking the attendee list now for any hand raise or public comment, and I do not see any on this agenda item.
1: Thank you, Secretary Hom. We'll now move to item five.
0: I believe I have to take roll. Is that correct? Roll call?
1: Yes, we need a vote. Oh, apologies. Yes, so we'll take a roll call vote. Thank Great. Uh,
0: Member Catalano, absent. Member Cunningham-Denning?
1: Yes. yes.
0: Vice Chair DeAntonio? Yeah. Member Freedombot? Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Yes.
1: Great, thank you.
0: Yeah. Member Reggio? Yes. Chair Williams?
1: Yes. So the resolution has been passed for the next 30 days and we'll now move to item 5. Great. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to Jesse at this time to guide us through Item Five. Sure. Thank you, Chair Williams. Um,
2: good to be together, uh, even virtually today, um, and as we work out the kinks of this new of this new system. Um, the past two meetings um, our special meetings in November and in December the committee discussed talked about a need to develop a set of priorities and values that could um, contribute to and inform the 23-24 and 24-25 spending recommendations Um, and I think you know this emerged both I think from the needs assessment which was A LOT OF NEW INFORMATION um, OR A LOT OF INFORMATION IN ONE PLACE, THE DESIRE TO KIND OF PULL UP THE BIGGEST uh, TAKEAWAYS AND THE MOST IMPORTANT MESSAGES AND ALSO TO to FOLD IN AND SORT OF SYNTHESIZE THAT WITH THE WORK THAT THE COMMITTEE HAS ALREADY DONE uh, AROUND SETTING VALUES AND PRIORITIES. Um, ALSO RECOGNITION THAT THE FUND BALANCE AMOUNTS THAT ARE GOING TO BE USED IN THE BUDGET PROCESS are not going to be available until the middle of March when we get that revenue update and forecast. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the departments are going to be submitting budget proposals. There are going to be a very quick turnaround uh, between when the committee receives uh, that, that revenue update and, and knows what the budget amounts will be and when departments need to uh, contribute their proposals to the mayor's office. Um, and so we really, uh, we we talked at the December meeting about using the priorities and values conversation as a way of um, beginning the budget conversation, the recommendation conversation early, um, and, and really to engage meaningfully with departments um, at an earlier stage of, of budget development. And so I spent some time uh, since we last met Looking at the committee's, the work the committee has already done, um, you know, the committee laid out values in the investment plan for fiscal years 2021, 21, 22, and 22, 23. Uh, this is the document that was developed with the support of Tipping Point Community and Matthew Doherty and published at the end of fiscal year 2021. Um, and there are a lot, of, it's very rich uh, uh, document. Um, AND THAT OUTLINES PROCESS VALUES AROUND ENGAGING STAKEHOLDERS, COOPERATING WITH DEPARTMENTS, Um, INVESTMENT VALUES TO GUIDE INVESTMENTS, LIKE INVESTMENTS THAT SUPPORT SYSTEM FLOW, JUST AS AN EXAMPLE OF THAT KIND OF uh, of, of VALUE, Um, A NUMBER OF OVERSIGHT VALUES, FOR EXAMPLE, ELEVATING OR EVALUATING OUTCOMES TO CREATE MORE TRANSPARENCY IS ONE THAT'S NAMED. Uh, IN THE DOCUMENT AND THEN PRIORITIES, THERE'S A SET OF PRIORITIES IN THE DOCUMENT FROM PEOPLE WITH LIVED EXPERTISE. Um, SO AN EXAMPLE IS HOUSING, 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 HOUSING WAS was A PRIORITY RECOMMENDATION. Um, AND THEN SYNTHESIZING THAT WITH THE VALUES AND PRIORITIES THAT WERE IN THE INVESTMENT PLAN AND THAT CAME OUT OF THE LETTER uh, THIS BODY CRAFTED TO THE BOARD AND THE MAYOR. Uh, priorities and values um, as well, that are reflected in the budget recommendations, sort of how do these three things all align? Um, And what emerged from that exploration was I think four overarching priorities and values. And so this is just to create a foundation and a starting place uh, for this conversation and this process of refining and defining the values uh, and priorities that that can guide and shape this budget process. Um, So specifically focusing here on on the budget process. Um, So the first is centering racial equity. Um, And I pulled out here, you can see how that shows up in each of these documents that structural racism and economic inequality are primary drivers of homelessness. A desire to center equity and recommendations and oversight responsibilities to be responsive to historic structural and systemic disparities. Um, and then to seek out, listen, and be guide, guided by the experiences and voices of people with lived expertise of homelessness and housing instability. Um, that just came out really clearly in, in these documents as the primary, uh, the, yeah, the number one, it was listed first. Um, and we see this right now reflected in the spending plan, uh, mostly through setting aside resources for specific populations and neighborhoods for example, transgender youth, the Bayview neighborhood, justice-involved uh, people or households, um, and then also the commitment to disaggregating reporting data by race, ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, and age to be able to really um, identify disparities uh, and be responsive to them. Uh, also, uh, what emerged was a was a priority. Um, or a desire to prioritize a wider array of programs to meet diverse needs, right? So the recognition that people experiencing homelessness have diverse needs, that programs and and program designs, program models, uh, there was a priority of meeting people where they are um, and to be uh, more individualized, responsive to individualized needs, uh, greater flexibility, um, and also a commitment to housing first. And those, uh, that value of sort of having a, a, a spectrum of, of programs that can be responsive to diverse needs and be really flexible um, and individualized uh, runs through the, the investment plan really strongly. I'm not gonna read all of these, but uh, you know, permanent housing, the flex pool, the housing ladder investments, uh, long-term subsidies for SRO families, Um, Prevention. The investment plan is really about building an entire homelessness prevention system from eviction prevention to targeted homelessness prevention to uh, problem solving. In mental health, uh, you can see uh, the outreach and crisis and health services, drop-in services, case management and care coordination, and then of course that really important spectrum of treatment beds. Uh, And then in shelter and hygiene. Um, you know, uh, a range of shelter program models, hotel vouchers, trailer programs, navigation centers, uh, and also crisis interventions like safe sleep, safe parking. The third big picture priority that came out um, of this analysis was a desire to prioritize permanent housing solutions uh, to generate system flow. Um, And the two-year investment plan really clearly in the feedback, especially from people with lived expertise, uh, prioritize permanent housing solutions. Um, pairing temporary interventions and services with permanent housing solutions, um, and and this really in uh, is a desire and recognition that a housing solves homelessness, uh, but also that uh, you know shelter and other services work more efficiently and effectively when there are. Uh, Permanent, permanent places for people to go, right? When there are more solutions available. And this shows up in a variety of places in the, in the current investment plan. Um, on, per, on the permanent housing side, acquiring and operating new site-based PSH, new development, the flexible housing subsidy pool, ongoing subsidies for SRO families, um, family Housing ladder and the medium-term subsidies are are all things that kind of fit in this desire to uh, prioritize permanent housing to generate flow. The mental health services, you know, offer expanded and new clinical support services for people in PSH to really stabilize uh, and and uh, stabilize people in housing. Um, you know. As well, and I think you'll see later uh, in this meeting, mental health SF includes two metrics. We've talked about them a little bit about connectivity with the sy- homeless response system. So there's also sort of, how do these uh, thinking about permanent housing in big picture terms, like how do we get systems to coordinate so that permanent housing uh, can happen for people across across uh, systems. Um, And then prevention, right? Stabilizing housing, preventing eviction, um, things like this. Uh, And then the fourth was increasing investment, leveraging funding, and coordinating effort to bring resources to scale. Um, Widespread recognition in all of these documents that resources are not available at the scale the homeless crisis demands, um, and a desire to use the our city or home funds for the most strategic uses, right? Paying attention to, you know how can the funds be used to leverage other state local and federal funds and fill gaps that are left by existing uh local state and federal funds um and then i think you know it's it's there in the needs assessment it's there in the two year investment plan but also just increasingly in these conversations i've heard members talking about um kind of articulating this in, in a slightly different way which is that you know the our city, our home fund won't be enough, right? This is not uh, to really solve homelessness in San Francisco. It is uh, an important piece uh, in in that process, uh, but it is in and of itself uh, is not sufficient, right? So really um, increasing investment, that emphasis. Um, And that shows up in a variety of places. Um, you know, our our city, our home funds were used as a match in the home key acquisition. Um, Flex pool funds uh, enabled those emergency housing voucher, vouchers to be accessible to people experiencing homelessness. Uh, partnerships with workforce development. Um, there's a lot of pandemic funding um, that you know was used to complement and extend the our city, our home funding. Uh, Whole person care and Cal AIM are, are really important complementary pieces for street health, overdose response, and a variety of other health services. Um, and then shelter and hygiene, the pandemic funding uh, really complemented and extended um, uh, our city, our home funding for temporary shelter and crisis interventions. So, I sort of moved us through this relatively quickly um, because I think this synthesis um, will be familiar to you, and it's really about getting uh, to some committee discussion. I provided these questions, and I hope uh, if you didn't have a chance to look at them, um, you know, I think this is a starting place for thinking about what. Uh, what the next steps are, and how do we use these values to inform this uh, budget recommendation process? Um, and so, one question that I had is you know, are the priorities and values, uh, are there priorities and values that aren't captured there? Um, there was a lot of overlap and cohesion, um, but maybe there are new things that need to be added at this point. Um, also, as I looked at the investment plan, it, it, Stood out to me that set asides are one of the ways that uh, the spending recommendations have prioritized equity. Um, and I wondered, you know, where are there other opportunities to prioritize equity even more in the spending plan? Are there other ideas about how to do that? Um, and I don't mean instead of, I mean in addition to. Um, I was curious um, about. You know, the, one of the recommendations, and it's an important one, is about prioritizing a wider range of programs to meet diverse needs. Um, that's really shines through, and you know, in, in talking with people with lived expertise of homelessness, that there just isn't one one solution that works for everybody. Um, at the same time. And so I was thinking about like, well, how can the committee maybe highlight the connection between people's needs and fund investments and sort of draw that out uh, a little more strongly so it's clear. Um, And then the last question, and again, these are just to get discussion going, uh, but what questions do you have uh, for community stakeholders? What, What does the committee need to know specifically from stakeholders? Uh, during this upcoming budget cycle to inform this year's budget recommendations. And I will uh, stop there. those are the, those are the slides um, and pass it back to Chair Williams. I think should I take should I keep this showing on the screen or should I take it down?
1: Um, I'll. I don't know if any of committee members have a preference. I like seeing the questions. I think it's helpful, but keep up keep up all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you so much jesse for that really great uh review i think there's just been some really amazing work um that's been done by this committee and just so much thoughtfulness and expertise and wisdom um on this board um to really advise our next steps for the city so i'm going to open it up uh to the committee if there's any virtual hands raised i do see uh, secretary hom do we have public comment
0: I raised my hand by accident, so um, unless you're ready for public comment, I can wait.
1: Yeah, actually, we'll take public comment if there is some right now. Okay, great. Good.
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2496-990-2673. The password is 1234, and then you would press... If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note you have two minutes. I'm checking the attendee list now and we do have a caller. Hello, caller, can you press star 6 to unmute yourself? Great. thank thank you.
5: It's me again. Uh, I want to ask you guys about the requirements for the homeless to access to that housing because uh, housing is a big help if the uh, if the homeless is committed to clean and to follow certain restrictions in order to keep that house. But if uh, if they they will use the the housings to keep doing drugs and to don't make any Ch- changes what is the purpose of being a house when they don't require a house because they will leave the they will abandon the house and they will come back to the streets to make drugs. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much to our public commenters and just wanna remind folks that we as, the, as a board, we're not allowed to do direct response. Uh, to public comment. We'll try to clarify um, questions when we can, but just want to let folks know that, that, you know, we typically do not um, have direct response to public comments. So thank you so much, uh, Secretary Hom.
0: Uh, yes, I do not see any additional callers.
1: All right, thank you. So I'll open it up to the committee at this time um, to reflect on some of the questions that Jesse has laid out here. Is there any reflections um, from this process, any um, things that we feel are missing, or do we feel good about where we landed. I see uh, Vice Chair D'Antonio. Great, thank you, thank you, Jesse, for this. Um, I don't know how to make
9: my hands stop. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. So, I would say, um, as far as like a couple things that I would like to see added in here, um like the words like low barrier like I think for me that's like a big priority like how do we create programs that are low barrier like for folks to access um in every like bucket of our spending and then I also would like to see something about keeping um the San Francisco definition of homelessness as far as families like that being our priority for us as well um I think that that also like ties into the data components that we're talking about. Um, I think it's really hard to actually end homelessness and also address racial equity when we don't have all the data. Um, I would argue that a lot of black and brown families are living doubled up and we just don't have data on these families and they end up um, like on the street or like experiencing like unsheltered homelessness eventually. Um, and so it just makes more sense to catch them when they um, are doubled up rather than when they're in a more extreme situation. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm gonna keep pushing for that as long as we're on this committee. Um, so those are like the two things that I would like to see added in there. As far as questions, I think again like these are probably questions we asked last year, but um, like what do folks see as the biggest gaps right now? Um, in in our system, and then also, um, how can we house more Black um, households, more Black San Franciscans? So those are like probably overarching questions for this year. Um, and then like I know sometimes we, I guess this is more on the last one. My bad. But sometimes we list out sort of like examples of like subpopulations. I would like to see like just more like domestic violence, like stated on some of these. Um, on some of these slides. Like, I think that that's a subpopulation that we keep every year sort of pushing back or giving like, you know, 10 10 housing vouchers, not housing vouchers, hotel vouchers, stuff like that. But I would like to see like more of a focus um, considering that's um, like a really big reason for like families experiencing homelessness. I think it's like 8%, but that's only... What people actually report and we know it's much bigger than that because people are reprimanded by having CPS called on them, um, especially women. Um, and there's a fear of their children being taken away. So that 8%, like I would argue, we could at least double it. So it'd be like 16% um, of families experience homelessness due to domestic violence. So I just think we need like a much bigger system around DD um, and that we should just be calling it out as much as possible. Um, so again, low barrier, DVs, and keeping the San Francisco definition are things that I think we should just consistently be calling out on slides.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Vice Chair DeAntonio. We'll now go to Member Friedenbach and then Member Cunningham-Denny.
4: Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, Jennifer Friedenbach. Uh, so um, I agree with um, Vice Chair DeAntonio's comments. Um I, in terms of the first question, the priorities or values, um, I'm I really want to see from uh, from the emer- like from the emergency shelter perspective having low threshold access, and um, I'm particularly concerned around what's happening with the Oasis. The families were all moved out again for the second time, and. Um, the owners are supposed to be extending the lease um, while they're in active negotiations with the city and they have not yet. And that was really our only low threshold access for, um, for families and um, it's incredibly important um, to maintain that just an easy like you're in an emergency situation. You just show up or call and the same goes for the other populations as well. And, um, you know, uh, we had a little bit of that access during the inclement weather. And then, of course, we have it for with the um, with the winter shelter, um, which is really helpful. And um, it takes a while for the word to get out. And this is um, uh, this is something that you. Um, I think uh, um, if we have continual low ac- low threshold access, that it's just a part of our system, then everybody knows about it. Um, San Franciscans know about it, you know, when they're trying to help an unhoused neighbor, et cetera, and then it's removing those barriers that that keep people from being able to access shelter. Um, you know, we've had our our self-referral system shut down for quite a while um, and I know the city is working on getting that back up for single adults. Um, it's been, uh, so it's kind of non-existent in some ways um, for families um, uh, and in some ways for youth um, the access process is incredibly complicated and a lot of people who are in desperate need of shelter don't make it through that process and um, just end up sort of um scrambling out on the streets or um staying in really safe unsafe situations and so that I just wanted to kind of you know dig down on that concept a little bit Um, and I think that's also a way to um uh, when there is low threshold access and we've done it a little bit in our system for the question number two Um, When we have um, community-based organizations that are addressing um, uh, really underserved um, populations or populations that are disproportionately impacted by homelessness, um, that they're able to have placement access. And so it moves beyond the shelter needs. And I think we should have a component of our system for housing as well um that really is barrier free and very um community centered and so when we're talking about low threshold and i think that's also a way to um, prioritize equity without just doing the set asides and so um for example for underserving trans community having a trans organization being able to do placement you know stuff like that and we're do we are doing a little bit of that and i think it's been really successful Um, but not enough and so there's other populations and I think the African-American community is a great example Um, we are doing pretty well in the housing placements I mean in the um, coordinated entry with African-Americans less success in the um, higher percentages on the evictions and and less success on the actual placements and making it through that process so um, I think this is a concept that could help with that as well. so um I liked Julia's questions I thought they were great um we could um we've had the barrier question in the past and that could potentially be a third barrier that's getting at that access piece I mean a third question um and um uh And also want to just emphasize the following the San Francisco homeless definition and including a broader range of families um, that are in a variety of situation. And I think, you know, um, that's really connected to domestic violence and people um, having to experience domestic violence for longer because of not wanting to bring their kids onto the streets. And then our system having a requirement that you have to be on the streets. It's just, it's really, it's not okay and so um, we need to just serve we have children involved Um, we need to just um, engage people in um, and um, recognize that um, having a really narrow um, entryway also creates systemic inequities and so um, a lot of times um, black and brown folks from San Francisco have some relationship with other community maybe you know some some situations that are that are not at all great um, and they, um, uh, whereas, you know, you have kind of more of the white folks that are, um, coming in from out of town, end up getting an advantage. Um, I'm just going to be frank here in getting access to services, um, because of the way it's set up because of the, um, of the preference for, um, people who are staying on the streets. So, um, that are families with kids. And so it, it's just, it's a really, um, it really ends up creating more disparities in our system. So, um, so anyway, I wanted to just mention that stuff. Um, yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, member Freedombach, for those really thoughtful comments, um, as well as vice chair uh, DeAntonio. we'll now go to member Cunningham-Denning.
8: Thank you, Chair Williams. Um, so I wanna address the, the final question. What questions do you, you have for community stakeholders to inform this year's recommendations? I um, would like to see um, a, a, a focus possibly on addressing the barriers that um, individuals face when trying to allocate housing. Um, one of the things that I have noticed as the director of housing for the organization that I work for is, especially when it comes to youth, that even though we have encumbered the funds in order to provide the services for um, individuals to allocate housing, but we still are coming up against the wall of meeting the barriers that exist in regards to providing that service, such as um, individuals who don't have um, financial literacy skills um, to know about credit or um, income barriers or things of that nature in regards to um, applying for housing um, individuals that come to our agency for example um, you know one of the things that I do go over with them is their their efficacy around their own personal financial literacy like how if they know any information about the things that they uh, have experienced in regards to the barriers they've um, seen with housing usually it's again around being denied for housing because of those barriers. So addressing that I, I feel as though is extremely important. Also to um meeting with um the nonprofit agencies around the city that provide um, housing services and addressing what types of issues or gaps they're seeing within their programs to see if there's a way to help close in some of those gaps and possibly Um, devise a plan that will help us be able to mediate those particular types of situations for the individuals that come to um, community serving organizations to access those particular types of services. Um, Again, you know, having the fiscal part of that whole plan is one thing, and it's extremely important, of course. But again, addressing those barriers that are still existing um, in regards to being able to provide housing. I know that we do have um, the option through HSH with um, providing um, SROs as a form of um, as a form of housing. Um, However, for individuals that are in the LGBTQIA mainly in the trans community, some of those environments are just not appropriate for individuals who are, you know, trying to go through the processes of reestablishing themselves. So, you know, it's very, um, it is counterproductive when you are an individual from from a very diverse community and you go into that type of an environment that has so many different Um, types of personalities and different people from different communities and so on and so forth that don't really mesh well with individuals from the trans community and it can become an unsafe, a a very unsafe environment. So in addressing those particular types of issues, how do we address that? You know, how do we move um, in a way that provides equity as well as safety for all individuals seeking housing? I feel is extremely important. Um, I just wanted to, you know, put that up there, you know, address address those things, maybe put some more questions out there to see if we can get also, you know, those particular types of things looked at in regards to providing successful long-term housing to everyone, if that's, you know, if that makes any sense, but thank you so much. Thank you so much, Member
1: Cunningham-Denning, and I recognize that we do have uh, representatives here from our partner Uh, departments, um, from the mayor's office as well, from Department of Public Health. I want to invite folks, if you listening to the committee's conversation, if you have any thoughts on advancing any of the issues that the uh, committee has raised, feel free Um, to, you know, put your hand up and we can, I can call on you as well. I think it's been some, some really important, uh, this has been a really important conversation about what is is needed to kind of move the needle in terms of uh, these issues around barriers, whether that be paperwork, whether that be um, just overall capacity um, and just, uh, you know, thinking about these uh, special populations and and their specific needs. So again, if folks want to chime in, I know we heard earlier in the year, or maybe it was a couple years ago from the mayor's office in regards to reducing the federal requirements for housing access and kind of eliminating some of that paperwork as a barrier. And um, I don't know if that work has been moving forward. I know we have um, uh, Amy Sawyer is also here. So if folks want to chime in on that, that'd be great. And I know that Jesse has one more slide for us to look at. Should I just go ahead and we'll see if
2: people raise their hands? Yes, we will. So I just wanted to uh, remind the committee members about what the next steps are here. Um, the liaison meetings, we're in a few moments, we're going to do have our officer elections and revisit our liaison appointments. Liaison meetings begin in February. Uh, and just a reminder to everyone that the liaison plus three additional members can participate in those conversations. Um, SO I WILL BE SENDING OUT um, A REQUEST to, FOR PEOPLE TO VOLUNTEER um, OR LET ME KNOW IF THEY'RE INTERESTED IN ANY OF THE OTHER, uh, ANY OF the, THESE MEETINGS, um, THESE ARE THE MEETINGS WHERE MEMBERS OF THE COMMITTEE uh, and, and, AND DEPARTMENTS MEET TOGETHER TO BEGIN THE CONVERSATION AROUND, uh, around BUDGET DEVELOPMENT AND, and RECOMMENDATIONS. Uh, SO THE FIRST MEETING IN FEBRUARY WILL FOCUS ON IMPLEMENTATION Uh, And then going into March, the committee members are going to be talking about their priorities related to that specific funding area. Um, A few other highlights coming up, February 23rd meeting, we're going to get the six-month report on spending and implementation for you, Um, and there'll be a few additional things, but that will be um, really the focus of that meeting, uh, to look at how much... Has been spent, and what has been implemented in the first half of fiscal year 23 in mid March, uh, the fund revenue forecast will um, set those fund balances for the budget year, um, and the committee will receive an update a presentation on that at the March meeting. Um, and at that March meeting, as well, the committee can formalize, you know, what their uh, the priorities and values. So I've I've taken notes. I'll look back at the the recording. Um, and we will, uh, I'm really pleased with uh, how we're moving ahead. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out uh, by email, phone, text uh,
1: if you have additional suggestions. Thank you so much, um, Jesse. And I, I do not see any hands from the committee. Um, is there also, actually, I do, um, Vice Chair DeAntonio and Member Friedenbach, or actually, Member Friedenbach.
9: Okay, I'm really sorry to do this, but this is kind of on the last slide. There was something that just came to me, that I, I guess like something I would like to ask, I don't know what section this is in, but um, maybe it's on a question section or maybe it's something we, we look at as far as priorities, but like more data around like, why are people being turned away? Like, I think that's more getting at the doubled up question. Like, so if people are trying to access shelter, why are they not, why are they being turned away? Because if somebody's saying I need shelter, like, In my mind, I'm like, no one wants to just go stay in the shelter just because. So, why are they not able to access that? Um, And I think that's like in all parts of our system, like, kind of that came up in the prevention conversation we had a long time ago around like, like, when, like, looking at when people drop off, even like in a, like trying to access a program. And I think that's getting at um, member Michelle's. comments as well as far as like where where are people falling off and I think that that's important data for us to look at it's not just the successes but it's the failures and how do we how do we like fix that um anyway so that's something else that just kind of came to me sorry about that thank you
1: uh member Friedenbach
4: yeah just noting that um you know we're going to be getting the the fund revenue forecast um, in mid-March, and then we're only going to have two weeks to uh, make, uh, make recommendations. I, I mean, two weeks, like, okay, so this month, this next month in February, we're going to be talking about all the stuff that we want to do, but we also have this big budget shortfall situation. And so it's a pretty truncated... Um, Schedule. So I'm assuming we're going to have extra meetings in March, and maybe we can try to get those in the calendar now because we wouldn't have um, Then it because we're, I think, we're supposed to get the recommendations to the mayor's office right by the end of March, if I'm not mistaken. So, it's the, um, yeah, it's
2: the end of April. Is that the end of April?
4: Yes. So okay. I was just
2: looking, I just wrote what was coming up this quarter.
4: Okay. So okay. So we'll being have so narrow, but yeah, oh, we yeah. have a
2: whole additional month. So they're like six oh. weeks after you okay. get the budget amounts. Okay. I'll um. Calm down. <laughs> but the end of March is when the um, departments will finalize. Will make their recommendations to the mayor. So early in February or in um, April, there'll be a meeting. Uh, where the department present, this is what we gave the mayor, right, present their recommendations, and then a process uh, that I'm
4: ironing out a little bit. Uh, But I did send, I think, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. we don't want the presentation from them. We're presenting to them what our recommendations are, right? So we're at the, toward the end of the month. So they will
2: share, share with you at the beginning of April, what their, what they've given to the mayor this is our recommend what we propose to the mayor okay. for the committee to work with uh, so that's by
7: the
4: end yeah. of
2: that month uh, the committee needs to have its recommend like its recommendations both of like we know you this was proposed and we agree with that and we see this one differently
4: we're su- they're supposed to get our input before they submit the budget to the mayor
2: yes and that's why we're doing so this why are
4: process. we why are they sharing with us what they already gave to the mayor and then we're weighing in after the fact that should be switched around.
2: So the committee between now and the end of March or right, will be working on, that's what these priorities and values are is to say, these are the kinds of things that we really wanna see. Uh, we don't know what the budget amounts are gonna be. We don't know the full picture yet, but these are the priorities uh, that we have and the values that are informing those priorities. Um, otherwise you're right. Like if the committee waits until it receives the, the, the forecast in the middle of March, there will be, yeah, about, about two weeks before the department presents their, uh, recommendations to the mayor makes their proposals to the mayor.
4: Okay so I think then okay so it's back to my original concern then because I'm I, you know we we need to as a body make recommendations on any adjustments to the investment plan before the department submits to the mayor and the department of course can accept or reject but we're not trying to center we're trying th- this is a, we're trying to if we're going to center on people and go through a process of getting input um, then you know, this the idea is is that this is the body that's that's making those recommendations to the department. Of course, the department is one of the peop- one of the bodies and a very influential body that we're listening to. Um, but i I'm a little I, 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 mean, know, I, I, I think we we've made that mistake before. um, and it was really um, very clearly, you know, in the early time where it was we we were basically just like, you know, all the decisions are made from the department and then we're just kind of scribbling around the edges and then it's, it's, a, it's just not a good use of our time. And so um, we should be making recommendations on the investment plans, any changes to the investment plan based on new, you know, new emerging stuff, based on learning that, you know, certain initiatives that we're doing are not effective. So we need to maybe make adjustments um, and shift that money somewhere else or other things that are happening there um recommendations around um around how we're addressing the shortfall um and then that goes and so we should be having votes on that um and presenting a package to the department so that not just the broad principles like I understand the details what you're saying. Yeah, the, yeah
2: the committee's um the committee's makes recommendations to the mayor and the board so uh, I understand what I understand what you're saying, and I think we're trying to start this process early so that you know there can be that dialogue ahead of time., uh, but the formal recommendation is to the mayor
4: um, and the board. Right. But I think what we talked about last year was being more all on the same page.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And so it's gonna be um I mean you know I mean we had a situation last year where we made a whole bunch of recommendations um some of those recommendations ended up going uh to bid with the wrong framing because there wasn't enough getting on the same page ahead of time with the departments and then a bunch of those recommendations were rejected by the mayor and then we had and then um and then they ended up putting stuff back in but it it created a little unnecessary um, drama, so to speak. Um, so I just think like we should be we should be as much as possible making recommendations, taking votes, um, and getting trying to get on the same page. Like that was what we kind of we kind of made a vow to try to do last year. Um, and so I get I, I know with the liaison meetings that's part of what's happening there. I'm a little concerned about the timeline, and for us to really develop that kind of, you know ideally the kind of consensus, um, we we're we're gonna ha- we probably need to do some extra work in March.
1: Thank you so much, member Friedenbach. so um we can definitely look at the calendar um, with Jesse. I think and if there's members who want to join that conversation and kind of get a little bit more into Um, these next steps. Um, I do see member Reggio um, has his hand raised. So I will go to member Reggio and then we'll figure out some more next steps. So member Reggio.
6: Yeah. Uh, And I, I agree with the desire that, uh, or even the expectation that's expressed, it would be excellent if we could have the timing. So we knew what the amounts of money we're going to be and recommend first in a formal way to the department before they come out, but I I, I do think that's, I think the timing is gonna prove difficult as it has in all of the years until now. I think the advantage we have is in setting up liaison meetings uh, in a formal way over the course of the next couple months. And I think that's gonna have to be some meetings and maybe that's assumed in there meetings with the departments as well so that we do try to get as much influence and give feedback to the committee following those meetings, as much influence along the way. But I think what's gonna happen is probably, as has happened in the past, where you know as much as both the department and the committee wanna come up with consensus decisions, we're gonna find, or at least in the past, we've found that our consensus has extended to 95, 96% of what we're doing, and then there are some differences. And where those differences are there, that is where we go to the mayor and we go to the board, and we say we're with the department on these and we're not with it on those. So, I guess I just think it it probably is not going to be practical to be able to get our uh, uh, our recommendations fully down prior to uh, the committee presenting theirs. There will be. By virtue of the liaison meetings, there'll be many, many areas of agreement. There may be some differences that exist at that time. And I think that's part of our role then to recognize those and to speak to those.
1: Thank you, Member Reggio. I'm just thinking about our process over the past couple of years. I remember our liaisons having those meetings and then coming back to the board for, an initial vote and then having a subsequent vote when needed to make amendments. So I think that's doable and we just need to workshop this calendar a little bit more, but it is really tight as we, as we learned, you know, just with these other, um, other steps in the process that we're looking at and, and just wanting to be sure that we get our voice to, um, the mayor and the board of supervisors in a timely fashion. So, um, I do want to, um, workshop this a little bit more, um, offline and come back to the committee with, um, with a more detailed uh, calendar, which we've had in prior years, um, Member Reggio, did you have additional additional comments? No. Okay. Um, just want to move to public comment. If we could, Secretary hom is there any public comment?
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call for one five six five five zero 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 one access code two four nine six nine nine zero two six seven three. The password is one two three four and then press pound if you haven't already done so please dial star three through lineup to speak assistant prompt will indicate you have raised your hand please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments please note you have two minutes i'm checking the attendee list now for any hand raised for public comment
1: and i do not see any so there are no public comment for this agenda item okay thank you so much secretary hom and i believe jesse in terms of next steps for um the priorities and values, we'll definitely um, discuss more, and then maybe we could circle back to the committee with um, some more details. Would that be doable? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. So um, with that, colleagues, we're going to move to item six, <laughs> which is elections and appointments. Uh, with the recognition that we are not a full board, um, we do still need to um, have a point. We have a few appointments um, from the mayor's office, I believe, that are in process. and But we do have um, listed in, as part of our operating procedures to move forward with elections. Typically, this would have happened um, in December, but given some of the transitions, we're now addressing that this, this month in January. And um, yeah, I just wanna open it up um, and see where what we can do in terms of these three um, officer positions and we're not voting on liaisons today. Is that right, Jesse? You don't have to, no. We don't, have, we don't to. have to. Okay, so the officers are the what the typically would happen in December, or actually around November, around our retreat. Um, so with that, um, we have the chair, the vice chair, and the data officer um, positions that are up for election, and I um, want to give folks turn over the floor to the committee if there's any nominations, if folks who I believe right now I'm serving as your chair, uh, Vice Chair DeAntonio, are <laughs> Julia D'Antonio is serving as vice chair. And then uh, Julie Labbetter is serving as our data officer. So those are our current officers. And we'll open it up. And as you can see, the committee members, you may nominate yourself or another member for the office. A committee member may decline the nomination. Incumbent officers can nominate themselves uh, to be nominated to serve another term. And there are no limits on the number of terms a committee member can serve as an officer. So I'm going to open it up to member cunningham denny
8: um thank you, um Chair Williams. I would like to nominate Chanel Williams to continue as Chair. I'll
4: second that.
1: all right, i will I will accept the nomination. Um thank you, colleagues uh, for the nomination. Um is there any discussion on the nomination? This is a well, this could be a love fest, actually. Yes,
6: yeah, so Where, only to
1: tell me about how. <laughs> uh, no,
6: if I, I could say, it. can I, can I, you uh, have yes, a, member or, yeah, uh, I, I just think we're so well served by our current chair, uh, both in terms of uh, deep. Uh, Commitment and interest in the issue, but just in terms of competence, too, and experience that lends to uh, such a good meeting and uh, such uh, uh, great facilitation. And and I would hate to see that change. So I don't know if uh, multiple seconds are in order. And if they are, well, maybe that's not necessary, but I would just want to say that. Chanel, we're well served by yourself.
1: Thank you so much, Member Reggio. And I see member Friedenbach.
4: <laughs> yeah, I just wanna <laughs> just wanna appreciate, um, just have a lot of gratitude for your leadership and your style and and your knowledge on this stuff. And just you have, um, yeah, just you bring a lot of competence and you make the meetings like appear very effortless because you have so much skill. And um, so I just. Um, you know, and you have all these values around, around lifting up people's voices. And it just, um, yeah, just the whole package is just great. So I'm really excited that you're willing to do it again. Thank you so
1: much, Member Reggio. Um, I will, I don't see any more hands. And um, if there's, is there any additional nominations? If there isn't, we would need a motion to close nominations. So moved. Motion, Oh, second. All right, so it's been moved by Member Reggio and seconded by Vice Chair D'Antonio. So nominations are now closed. And Secretary Hom, is there public comment?
2: Can I make a suggestion that we do all of the nominations and then take public comment and then do the votes as opposed to doing public comment on
1: each role? Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Is there a nomination for Vice Chair?
4: I, um, I would love to nominate by, um, current Vice Chair Julia D'Antonio for that position. I, I also ha- just like have a lot of deep admiration um, and really um, Julia's got such an extensive knowledge of the different systems and where the gaps are and is just in constant is so connected to community in, the, in these real ways and also has like these really fantastic leadership skills and competencies. So I wanna nominate Antonio.
1: I would love to second that.
8: Yeah, I was gonna second it oh. as well. <laughs> Actually, you know uh,
1: member cunningham Denning. so I will, you have seconded, so um, we'll take that. All right. Any additional comments on Vice Chair DeAntonio? I would love to make some comments because it has been so amazing to have Julia as a partner uh, in this work. Um, Just her deep knowledge and passion. I just feel so lucky uh, to be able to learn from her and to be able to spend time in this work with her Um, and just so happy that she is doing this for um, another term. So thank you so much, Julia. I know you don't have to and I just really appreciate your service uh, to this committee and to our community. So thank you. All right, so now we will move to nominations for data officer. Is there a nomination? I, I have a question about this one. Are it's, are we going to talk about
9: putting um, the impact liaison with the, or should we vote today on the data officer? And then we'll talk about that when we talk about the liaison, like just so that the data person knows that that might be a possibility that they might also be taking on that role. But I don't know what, what you.
1: Yeah. Yes, I think we um Jesse if you could help me understand what process do we need to formally as a committee sort of combine those roles and then sort of elect this position or could the data officer nomination would accept with the understanding that this may become a combined role?
2: This is the description of the data officer that appears in the bylaws that they will advise the committee on the use of data analysis. Um I think Right, prioritize, coordinate, and track it. Track data requests, align data requests with strategic planning, um, but he, uh, advise on monitoring and tracking additional data progress and outcomes. Recommend strategies and other tasks or duties assigned by the chair.
1: Okay, and do we it have seems... the? Um, Go ahead. Yeah, do we have the um, for the community liaison role? Could we do we have that easily accessible to kind of share those duties so that. Yeah, looking at hands
2: collect information, solicit input, evaluate community needs, draft recommendations, and engage in other tasks assigned by the committee.
1: Okay, so I do. Um, if possible, colleagues, could we talk about um, if there is a desire to combine the data officer role with the community um, liaison role? Currently, our vice chair is serving both in both roles, which is a lot, and I think there is some intersection between the data officer role and the community impact role so I see member freedom box hand.
4: Yeah I do think combining those makes a lot of sense Um, and because there's this um, in terms of our data we really also we want that to be driven by getting feedback from um from people who are impacted and frontline staff and and all of that and so that that i kind of see that is the center and a big part of what the data officer of course looking at the numbers and stuff like that but also the the getting the input from um from the humans to develop and, and make that data more rich and so i really like the idea of combining those two um and um I think it also cuts down on the number of roles that we have for OCO, which I think is also, um, there's a lot. Um, we have a lot with all the liaison positions with the existing um, buckets. And so I feel like narrowing the liaison roles to the buckets and then having the three officers makes, that, that's still a lot, but it, 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 it make, to me, it makes more sense um, to do it that way. Thank you so much for those comments, Member Friedenbach. Um, So I would actually,
1: just so we can have this documented, is there a motion uh, to combine uh, both of these roles, uh, combining the community impact liaison role, which Member Friedenbach um, so wisely just said that it really isn't the same as some of the liaison roles, behavioral health, uh, shelter, and our housing role. Um this is really sort of a role that helps support the you know sort of inner workings and advises sort of the committee it's more internal facing so um in terms of us building out a robust having a robust data set um about our community so um, um before, before you make a motion um
2: this would require uh, the data officer role is defined in the bylaws, which is different from the liaisons. And so if you wanted to like formally add a line in the job, in the description of the job, we would need to have that at a different meeting where we change the bylaws. I mean, my suggestion would be, it says other tasks and duties as assigned by the chair, that this could be one of those tasks and and duties assigned um, until until, you know, a later date when we,
1: when the committee, uh, adjusts the bylaws. Thank you so much for that, Jesse. Um, and I apologize. There's some construction happening right outside my building. I don't know. It's so, um, <laughs> um, but is there, I see a member Reggio, um, given that, um, we, with the understanding that, um, You know, other tasks and duties can be assigned by the chair. I'm just formally stating that um, I would like to see for the uh, data officer role that this the community impact um, scope is integrated. So, with that in mind, is there a motion uh, or a nomination for data officer?
4: Um, I can um I can make that motion. Our nomination. Oh, a nomination. Nomination, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I'd like to nominate uh, member Ledbetter um, for this role. And I think um, uh, because member Ledbetter has the experience in working um, in different counties and really understands um, the system flow and you know and how um what kind of data is more important and really grounded in in unhoused people's experience i think that um and she's been doing a great job so i would like to nominate member ledbetter
6: second
1: member reggio seconds all right and i'll add to that and just saying um you know, Data Officer Ledbetter has been um, so amazing working with you and just learning from you as well. Um, you have so much deep knowledge of our system and just really hope that she'll accept this nomination. Um, we really appreciate your service. And I know that um, this is, you know, we are all volunteers here and just really appreciate you giving your time and, and your commitment to this work. Um, you're so knowledgeable and uh, just really would love to have you um, in this role, uh, continuing forward. So I um, want to let <laughs> Data Officer Ledbetter speak. If If you accept the nomination
7: thank you everybody i wish i could uh show my face and see so i could see my smiles here um but yes i will accept and i also want to just strongly encourage as we bring on new members or if another member is so motivated today to consider the role it's an amazing role I'm happy to serve in it. I'm really excited about what's coming up next, particularly with the lived expertise work that's in the system modeling that the department has done. So I think there's a lot of exciting work to be done and a lot of good alignment with the data and with the community impact. And whenever someone else is ready to do it, I'm happy to step aside and, and bring in other folks to do it. But until then, and as long as you'll have me, happy to serve. Yes, we will have you, Data Officer Ledbetter. Thank you so
1: much for your service. Uh, We'll now, given that we have all of our nominations in place, take public comment.
0: Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2496-990-2673 password is 1234 and then pound if you haven't already done so please dial star three to line up to speak a system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments please note that you will have two minutes I'm checking the attendee list now for any hand raised for public comments and I do not see any for this agenda item
1: thank you so much secretary Holmes so um, in terms of process can we take We need to take the roll call for each one. So let's start with chair. So if you can call the roll, Secretary Holm.
0: Member Catalano? Absent. Member Cunningham Denning? Yes. Vice Chair DeAntonio? Yes. Member Freedombot? Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Yes.
1: Member Reggio? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. Thank you so much uh, for your confidence, and I am really excited to continue uh, serving as chair. So we'll now move to a vote for vice chair. If we take the roll.
0: Member Catal- Catalano, absent. Member Cunningham Denning, yes. Vice Chair DeAntonio? yes. Yeah. Member Friedenbach, yes. Officer Ledbetter,
1: yes. Member Reggio, yes. Chair Williams, yes. So congratulations, Vice-Chair DeAntonio. Thank you,
9: everyone.
1: All right, we'll now take Data Officer. Member Catalano, absent. Member
0: Cunningham-Denning? Yes. Vice-Chair DeAntonio? Yes. Member Freembaugh? Yes. Officer Ledbetter?
1: Yes. Member Reggio? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. So we now have our Data Officer. Thank you so much, uh, Data Officer Ledbetter. We have all of our Executive Officers in office, so we will now move uh, forward. So we have our liaison roles uh, as well, and I am I allowed to make a nomination as chair because I would like to make a nomination for our emergency shelter and hygiene liaison. Is that? Can I do that as chair, Jesse? Um, I don't know. You want to you want to vote to reappoint member Friedenbach? Well, I to, would like to nominate uh, member Freedombach to continue serving as our emergency shelter and hygiene liaison. She has done a phenomenal job. We are so lucky to have her in this role. I couldn't think of anyone better to be in this role. And we are just so well served um, by her expertise and leadership. So we would like to re-nominate uh, member Friedenbach. Sure.
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: been seconded, I think, by member Reggio yes all right and uh member Friedenbach do you accept the nomination uh yes I do okay wonderful so um we'll now open it up from the board if there's any other comments that folks would like to make or
4: member Friedenbach if you would like to make any comments no just um you know happy to continue doing this or move around to different roles I know we do have one you know our behavioral health kind of seat is vacant and I don't know who's going to get appointed but I guess we could One, one, one. just note um, is if um, I think we're thinking that the behavioral health person would be the liaison if th- that could also be a role that I could play if somebody else wanted to do shelter but j- just kind of putting that out there um, if um, if we wanted to switch it up if we had some kind of need because of my background I, I um, used to do a lot of work around behavioral health um, earlier in my career and still do quite a bit of stuff on treatment on demand planning council and that kind of stuff. So I'm just, uh, anyway, just putting that out there, but happy to continue doing shelter as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you, member Friedenbach. I see member cunningham Um,
8: Thank you, chair Williams. I would like to nominate myself for behavioral health liaison. Wonderful. I'm, I would love
1: to second, <laughs> second that. Thank you so much, Member Cunningham-Denning. Is there any additional nominations? I know um, Member Catalano is not present at this time, so um, if it's okay with the committee, I would like to pause on that vote uh, just so our Member Catalano could be present um, for that. Are there any additional nominations? I know we also have
4: housing inventory and pipeline. Yeah, I I would love to nominate uh, Member Reggio again for housing. I think he's done just a... I think Let Member has some would
1: like to share
6: some news. Yeah, okay. Let me, uh, uh, and we have at least the one vacancy right now, and uh, maybe there's some wisdom to stepping back and shuffling. What I, I need to inform the committee is that I am going to go off the committee, and uh, I'm going... For family reasons, personal reasons, all good. I'm down here in San San Luis Obispo, as I often am. I'm often out of town. I am looking forward to this next critical three or four meetings. I will be out of town for three of those four meetings. And I think Mm. at this point, it makes better sense to say... Uh, You know, I'll do anything I can to ease a transition to a new person. But I have been in conversation with the mayor's office and I know they're looking for an appointment right now. I would not assume that the appointee should be the housing inventory and pipeline. It depends on what the experience is. And so I guess maybe I would recommend that the chair, if you kind of looks at the whole conglomerate of who's there and what committees uh, need leadership right now. And there may be a little further rejuggling or some double duty. In the meantime, I will tell you, I am still a member until an appointment is made. And I will be happy to continue working on housing related issues, uh, particularly over the course of the next month or two until another member comes on.
1: Thank you so much member Reggio for sharing that news I know that awesome. we have all been so well served um, by you and your expertise I see some <laughs> tears uh, coming down um, and we um, thank you so much for helping with the transition thank and you. I agree we should pause uh, given that on the we have the diversion prevention liaison and the housing inventory and pipeline liaison we can wait on those two liaisons but right now colleagues we have two. Nominations on the table. We have member Friedenbach for emergency shelter and hygiene, and we have member Cunningham Denning for behavioral health. So I believe we'll go to public comment and then we will come back for both.
0: Members of the public who wish to buy public comment on this item should call for 156550001, access code 2496 673 password is 1234 then you press pound if you haven't already done so please dial star 3 to line up to speak a system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments please note that you have two minutes checking the attendee list now and there are no hand raised for public comments
1: okay. thank you secretary hum. we will now take a roll call vote on emergency shelter and hygiene liaison and the nomination is for jennifer friedenbach so we'll go to vote
0: Member Catalano, absent. Member Cunningham-Denning? Yes. Vice Chair D'Antonio? Yeah. Member Friedenbach? Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Yes.
6: Yeah. Member Reggio? Yes. Chair Williams?
1: Yes, so the motion passes. So congratulations, Member Friedenbach. Thank you for your service. We will now move to our behavioral health liaison and the nomination is Member Cunningham-Denning. Michelle Cunningham-Denning. So we'll go to roll call vote.
0: Member Catalano, absent Mem- member Cunningham-Denning. Yes. Vice-chair DeAntonio. Yeah. Member Friedenbach. Yes. Officer Ledbetter. better
1: Yes. Yeah. Member Reggio. Yes. Chair Williams. Yes. So the motion passes and congratulations, uh, member Cunningham-Denning. All right. So we will now move forward. Uh, to our next item on the agenda. Can you please call the item, uh, Secretary Homs? Sorry, I don't have it in front of me.
0: So item number seven is Mental health spotlight presentation with discussion and possible action by the committee.
1: Thank you, Secretary Homs. So at this time, I believe we have a director... Uh, we have Director Kirkpatrick uh, with uh, us. Is it Director Kirkpatrick who will be presenting? We actually
10: have uh, Dr. Cunins with us to start out. Oh,
1: my apologies. Director Cunins, thank you.
10: Um, hello. G- good morning, everyone. Hello, Chair Williams. Uh, great to hear about the elections um, and the transition in the committee. It's very exciting to see it's uh, going on and maturity. I am um, I know we're running a bit late and I am with apologies. Um, I have a hard stop at um, 11.20 and I know you all have a very full agenda. So I'm going to kick us off and I'm also uh, with pleasure want to introduce the group I think you all have met, Dr. Monica Rose, who is joining me. Uh, Dr. Rose is the um, uh, heads up our analytics and evaluation team for mental health and, uh, SF and Prop C related initiatives. Um, and so I'm gonna kick us off and Dr. Rose will step in as I have to step off. And again, I'm, I'm so sorry, uh, it's lovely to be here. Um, I'm also joined as, as Chair Williams said by D- uh, Director Kirkpatrick, who, whom you all know. Um, we will start off uh, today with just a brief, uh, just table setting about behavioral health and DPH. Uh, taking a moment to highlight our um, collaboration and growing collaboration with HSH and just wanna acknowledge our plan to have a future spotlight presentation specifically focused on our collaborative work. We'll then turn to Mental Health SF, um, describing our prior- the priority population which we now are, uh, have routines for describing it as well as sharing the core metrics and we're very excited to share um, really the, the metric that is in furthest development and will be routinized and Dr. Rose who's really taken the lead on that will be able to describe that to you. If we have time, we will um, also uh, share um, our work around overdose response and prevention mortality and some sample metrics we may, I know given time uh, may not be able to get to that, but we're happy to come back. Next slide. Um, So I think as uh, this group will be familiar, um, behavioral health services at the San Francisco Department of Public Health is the largest provider and funder of mental health and substance use prevention Early Intervention and Treatment Services in San Francisco. We have a total budget of approximately $600 million. We contract with more than 80 community-based organizations. And and last year we provided formal treatment services in what we call specialty behavioral health to more than 20,000 people. Of note that 20,000 number does not include people that we have touched or served in our prevention our lower threshold uh, and other uh, services where we don't have uh, deduplicated uh, numbers of people because of, of we don't always collect identifying information. We estimate that we touch an additional 100,000 people in those array of services. Next slide. Um, The work around persons, people experiencing homelessness really um, fits into um, our larger system and systems of care with both uh, general services and then what we have uh, come to describe as tailored uh, services to people experiencing homelessness. Our overarching goal is to provide high-quality and equitable care, which we know can save lives, improve quality of life, promote recovery. We are we aim to have care that is timely, accessible, coordinated, and to use a healthcare jargony term, person-centered. You can see. Um, Within our sort of um, Venn-ish diagram, in the darker blue circle, the parts of our delivery system at DPH, behavioral health is one of them, but you can see the list of others, including our hospital, Laguna Honda, jail health, primary care, and maternal child health. In the lighter blue circle, we have a number of uh, programs Uh, that are really tailored and aim to center people experiencing homelessness. And you can see uh, that list. That list is really services that happen in most parts of our delivery system in addition to the entire delivery system uh, really aiming to prioritize this important population. Next slide. Turning now to just sharing, and I, I know this is of great importance to, to this committee, but, but I just want to acknowledge how important it is, how critical it is to um, improving the health um, uh, of folks experiencing homelessness. We absolutely um, need a, a systems approach to address the many structural drivers and complexity uh, of 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 homelessness, we partner with HSH across a large number of initiatives. Just acknowledging some are sort of squarely within behavioral health, but it really is department wide. Um, we are working together to implement Prop C funded programs, particularly related to the provision of clinical support in shelter and PA- and permanent supportive housing settings. Um, Cal Aim which you know to be the um, ginormous uh, Medicaid, Medi-Cal reform effort happening in California um, is, is a department-wide project, which has in our view many opportunities to, prov- to improve the care of people experiencing homelessness. We are working collaboratively uh, across our department and with HSH Similarly our whole person integrated care program is deeply collaborative with HSH. Um, We are working closely with HSH around our street care and outreach programs. We are working with HSH to um, increase and and expand our overdose prevention efforts focused on current and formal and people formally experiencing homelessness with community exits from Laguna Honda and very importantly, um, uh, data integration efforts to improve service delivery and enable shared following and uh, of folks uh, to, to assess what kind of outcomes we are realizing. And, and you'll hear a bit in our presentation about the MHSF priority population as an example of how we did, are doing data integration. Next slide. Um, I'll also mention, and also as you know, HSH is currently updating its five-year strategic plan, um, and we have been working closely, I personally, as well as others at DPH, um, to really participate and develop a shared vision, um, with partnership and collaboration, including really uh, identifying shared priority populations, shared objectives, and shared initial strategies to advance these shared objectives. We're now working to clarify the implementation approach to 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 accomplish our, our goals. Next slide. Um, Maybe now is a good time to turn us over to Dr. Rose. Let me, let me see what the next slide is. Let me. I'll say a word about Mental Health SF and then, and then Monica, I'll, I'll turn it to you. Um, you all also uh, have seen some version of this slide, if not this exact slide, just as a reminder, grounding reminder. Mental Health SF, uh, which is a piece of legislation passed In 2019 is seeks as its goal very much shared with our increasing access and coordination of treatment and support services for all San Francisco residents uh, with serious mental illness and or substance use challenges who are experiencing homelessness. That work that legislation defines four domains of work our office of coordinated care our mental health service center, our new beds and facilities, and our street crisis response teams. Next slide. Um, So it's important part of MHSF programmatically is our ability to set key metrics and to look at our data, including our population and outcomes. So why don't I turn the presentation over to Dr. Rose Sure. I'm going to stay on for another minute or two. And for whatever questions that can't be fielded by Dr. Rose or Director Kirkpatrick, we will absolutely get back to you. So thanks. Good to see everyone. Hi, everybody. Um, This is actually my first time at this
11: meeting. So nice to see all of you. Um, Just want to say that in addition to a data person, I'm also a clinical psychologist in terms of the way that I think about the data. Also, please stop me whenever it's needed because I know that we want to have time for questions. All right. So, uh, you know, in the legislation, uh, which I'm sure you're already all familiar with, that you know, defines this priority population as persons experiencing homelessness as well as serious mental illness and or having substance use disorders. So, you know, in terms of, quantifying that population, uh, you know, we did a lot of work to uh, use our various data systems to come up with some numbers here. So let me describe what's in this slide. So the the large gray bubble there, persons experiencing homelessness, that is over a year's span of time. So anyone who had any indication of experiencing homelessness over the course of the year are in that almost 19,000 number there. And then that smaller sort of aqua color is of those uh, almost 19,000 people, the number that's about 8,700 there, that had either a serious mental illness and or substance use disorder. Then when you look to the right there, it breaks it down by substance use disorders and serious mental illness. So you can see that... The majority actually have a substance use disorder at 84% there, and then 51% with a serious mental illness, and then that overlap in the middle there of 35% have both serious mental illness and a substance use disorder. Next slide, please. So, of those um, diagnoses, the, these are the diagnoses that we use as uh, criteria for defining uh, serious mental illness and substance use uh, disorders, and these are these are the most prevalent of those. So, starting with the uh, stimulant-related disorder, and let me just say that um, these are not mutually exclusive. So, a person could absolutely have more than one of these. So uh, stimulant related disorders were the most prevalent, almost uh, 50%, and then the opioid related at 42%. Um, in you know, that darker, brighter blue are the mental health disorders, just to point that out. Um, so psychotic disorders were the most prevalent of the serious mental illness disorders. Um, and then we get down to other, just there's just like a really big bucket of other substance use related disorders, alcohol related. Um, then PTSD and then bipolar and related disorders um, were the lowest number there. And next slide, please. Okay, so in terms of the demographic profile for this uh, mental health that's a priority population, you can see that um, in terms of race ethnicity, there's 30% 36%, excuse me, were white. Thirty percent African American or Black. Obviously, that's much higher than the San Francisco Census population by about six times. Um, and then twenty uh, percent Hispanic, Hispanic or Latinx. Um, and then I won't read all you know all of the uh, smaller numbers there. Um, in, in terms of primary language, it's about about ten percent Had a primary language other than English. um, So, with 6% Spanish, and then a lot of different languages fit into that that 4% of the other category. Um, In terms of gender, overwhelmingly uh, male at 71% there. And then the, the mean age is 44. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so these are the mental health SF core metrics. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to say that when I say core metrics, I'm not saying that these are all of the metrics that we'll be monitoring, but they are uh, essentially a key set that we've defined to start monitoring. We have to start somewhere. We have to prioritize, you know, where are we, we going to get started? So um, with that said, You can see on the left, there are the various categories. So we have housing, routine care, wait times, overdose response, and finally, uh, quality of life. So just uh, quickly go through these. So under housing, we have to increase the percentage of the mental health SF target population assessed for housing. And then we have to increase the percentage of the population who are placed in Permanent housing. For routine care, we have to increase the percentage of the population receiving routine health care. And then we also have to increase the percentage of the population receiving routine health care post 5150 discharge. Um, Just to quickly say, 5150 discharge is an involuntary um, detention for various reasons, a 72 hour hold. usually at psych emergency services and or going into a psych inpatient. And then in terms of wait times, um, the two that we prioritize there are to decrease wait times for intensive case management services and also to decrease the wait times for our residential treatment beds. And then in the category of overdose response, um, we like to increase the amount of naloxone that's distributed in the community increase the percentage of persons with opioid use disorders who were started on buprenorphine um, or methadone treatment to decrease the number of deaths due to overdose and to decrease the uh, pretty enormous racial disparity in deaths due to overdose. And finally, to, in terms of quality of life, um, to improve the quality of life and functioning for persons in the, the mental health that's a priority population. Okay, next slide. And and again, feel free to stop me if we want to um, take questions. I know we're like
1: almost getting to the end here. Um, yes, so, thank you. Um, thank you so yeah. much, Monica. So I'm actually going to pause us and see if there are any questions. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any questions from the committee at this time? And I think we also we have about a couple more minutes for the presentation. Um, all right, I do see Vice Chair Di Antonio and Member Cunningham cunningham Dinning. So Vice Chair De Antonio. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much
9: for this um, presentation. I just have a couple of quick questions on the um, slide that was uh, around like data. So I'm just wondering what are the percentage that, um, of folks with a dual diagnosis, because that is a big request that we see in our in- uh, listening sessions, as well as like mm-hmm. just in the community being out there. Um, we get a lot of requests from family members of folks who are experiencing homelessness that they, they just need more support as far as like dual diagnosis. Um, so that's my first question on that. My second is, so the breakdown of um, like substances. So by stimulant, are you talking about meth, like just meth and meth? Um, and when you say opioids, are you talking about just pills or are we talking about like heroin, like shooting up and like like snorting it and stuff like that? Like yes.
11: where, where does that break down? Yeah, Yeah, no, definitely all of them. And we, we, you know, we have the detailed data as well. Obviously, this is sort of like, you know, higher level summary, but, uh, but we do have the detail actually uh, by substance. So, you know, I'd be happy to share that at some point as well. Um, Yeah, because
9: I think right like how you would um, like, support someone will vary depending on the substance that they're using, correct? I right. think that would be, like, important information for us to see. Um, but, yeah, sorry,
11: go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I think on the earlier slide, uh, you know, is where we had the, you know, when you were talking about the dual diagnosis question. Um, if we can go back to the, uh, the one, I think, right before this. Yeah, So um, so over on the right there... Uh, in terms of in terms of the data we have now, remember that you know data always has its limitations. But uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the data available that we have, um, we found a 35 percent overlap in terms of serious mental illness and substance use disorders. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. We'll now go to Member Cunningham-Danny, and then also Member
8: Friedenbach. Thank you. And thank you, Monica, for the presentation. It's it's very um, informing. I have a question though in reference to data collection. Are the metrics that you guys have gathered currently, are they from the information gathered from, from clients coming and accessing resources at DPH? Or is it just more of a, you know, like a wider range of how you collected that data?
11: Yeah, great question. Um, and this is part of why <laughs> this job is so difficult in terms of gathering data. Uh, so so in any case, um, so the data sources that we have um, essentially require that somebody, in, in terms of the mental health SF population, that they touched one of um, three systems. So either behavioral health services in, in some fashion, Um, Or more on the medical side, the uh, services that are in our EHR called Epic for primary care, hospital services, and so forth. Um, And we also have that integrated with the HSH data in terms of uh, you know shelter and other services uh, that would indicate you know persons experiencing homelessness. So we so. Anyhow, I won't go into all the details, but those three uh, sources have been integrated so that we can look at, at at all of that data.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll go to Member Friedenbach.
4: Yeah, I just had a quick comment. I would love for the distribution um, um, for overdose prevention to focus more on getting it out to users and then training each other or training them to be able to use it um, on other folks. And I think that's a lot more effective than just getting it out to CDOs. And there's, there's some disparity right now. Like, I mean, you know the organizations that do that work are short on it and then there's a lot of CBOs that have it that aren't using it and it's just sitting there so I just think being smarter about actually getting it into the hands of drug users that that to me should be the priority on that on that line so anyway just a little input yeah
12: yeah thanks member Friedenbach and I think our goal of today's presentation, I know we're short on time. We have many more slides really digging deeply into some of the analytical work we are doing related to intensive case management, which is a vital kind of treatment component to supporting our clients um, who are both housed and unhoused, um, as well as digging into some of the data we're collecting uh, related to overdose um, response and prevention, two of which are really significant investments by the RCDR Home Committee, just demonstrating To you all, uh, the um, deep analytical work we are doing, we know the importance for all decision-making, budget decision-making and programmatic uh, decision-making to have data. So the goal of this is to share with you the level of Uh, analytical work our team is undertaking that will help inform our decision making and hopefully yours as well i know that's a priority for you all and especially uplifting the importance for both the department and i know for the committee on addressing equity across um these areas, and so the data does delve into that. I don't think we'll have time to walk through that today, but I hope that if you have time to kind of click through the slides, Jesse will share them with you all, that you see kind of those two key messages we wanted to make sure, and also ensuring that we um, uh, are communicating to you all well, that we recognize how vital a collaboration across DPH and HSHR um, to ensure that people have the behavioral health support to um, exit homelessness and um, to be successful um, in housing. Um, and so, kind of drawing those linkages was the goal of today. And I know, sorry, that we're short and we defer to you all on how you want to uh, proceed um, uh, with the rest of the meeting. So, I'll turn it back to the chair at this point.
1: Thank you so much, Director Kirkpatrick. And yes, we are at time. So I believe um, if we could actually bring this item back for additional conversation, I think there's just so much to discuss um, here in this area. And there's just so much um, interest in what is happening uh, with Mental Health SF. So I do want to invite Director Kirkpatrick and Monica, if we could schedule something to continue this conversation at our future meeting, um, because it's just such a critical issue as part of everything that we're doing so at this time i will move to secretary hom to go to public comment
0: members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001 access code 2496-990-2673 password is 1234 and then pound if you haven't already done so please dial star 3 to line up to speak a system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand Please wait until this is the. indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you have two minutes. I'm checking the attendee list now for any hand raised for public comment.
1: And I do not see any for this agenda item. Thank you so much, Secretary Hamm. And I do want to provide uh, Director Kirkpatrick, I'm on if you have any um, thoughts before we continue this item. Um, or if any of my colleagues have any burning desires on this topic, we will be bringing uh, this item back for a future meeting. All right. Seeing none, I want to just thank you both for coming here and for all the work you do for our community. Um, This is so, so important for our city and just want to continue with our partnership um, in this work. So at this time, I believe we are at um, item future agenda items. So quickly, if there's any thoughts on future agenda items. Okay. Seeing none, I will now entertain a motion for adjournment.
0: I will take public comment on that. Comment. Sorry. I'll take public comment on that item. Members of the public who wish to write public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. Access code 2496-990-2673. The password is 1234 and then pound. If you haven't already done so, please ask R3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you have two minutes. I'm checking the attendee list now and there are no public comment for this
1: agenda item. Thank you, Secretary Hamm. Um, And we, are we also taking public comment on adjournment? I never know with that. Uh, no. do that. Yeah. Um, okay, so is there a motion to adjourn? I will motion to adjourn. Okay, so it's been moved by Vice Chair DeAntonio. Is there a second? I second.
6: Second.
1: I was seconded by uh, <laughs> Member Cunningham-Denning and um, we'll take public comment.
0: Uh, I was called the role at this point. Uh, um, Member Catalano? Absent. Member Cunningham-Denning? Yes. Vice Chair Antonio? Yeah. Member Friedenbach?
1: Yes. Officer Ledbetter? Officer Ledbetter? She's exit. I think she's okay. not, She's absent. Uh, Member Reggio? Yes. And Chair Wims? Yes. Our, I apologize. Um, uh, Did Officer Ledbetter is here. I do see the phone number. So um, at this time, we are now adjourned. It is 11.36 a.m. And I just want to thank you all for your continued support. And we'll see you at our next meeting. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year.